Guess what, everyone? It's season two. Thank you so much for being part of the Spillet journey with me and tuning in to the Spillet podcast. Spillet is a show where I get to speak to inspirational people and share inspirational stories to connect people together, inspire people, and everybody should be learning something new. Spillet is filmed live every Wednesday at 7pm over on Facebook, YouTube and Twitch. Viewers are able to be part of the conversation by joining in and leaving comments as part of the live streams. For more information on Spillet, to find the links for the live shows, find upcoming episodes and guests, to be part of the show, or to support me by joining the official Spillet Patreon or get yourself some merch, head over to the Spillet website at www.spillit.uk. Hello, welcome to another episode of my little show that I like to call Spill It. Spill It is a show where I get to speak to inspirational people and share inspirational stories to connect people together, inspire others and help people learn something new. This is episode 60, Care After Care. And Lucas Chapman will be joining us at 7.10pm. So make sure that you stay tuned for that. Until then, you have got the lovely company of moi, of me. I'm going to be keeping you company until 7.10pm when Lucas will be coming out and joining us and talking about so much, to be fair. So yeah, I really can't wait, actually. It's going to be a really good episode. Very educational as well. Matt Palmer is in the house. Hi, Matt. Hope you're okay. Morning. It's evening. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining Matt. Okay, if you haven't checked out our other episodes yet, then you can do. All you have to do is head over to the Spillit website at www.spillit.uk where you will be able to see all of the episodes that I have done with all of my guests from day one, from the very, very first pilot episode up until now, up until today. You'll be able to see all of them. But also, you'll be able to see all of the guests for the month. You'll be able to see a preview of the upcoming guests. And also, connect with those guests as well. So if there's a guest that really takes your fancy and you think, oh, actually, I really want to get in touch with them and find out more about them or whatever, then there's also a little link and you can little, do the little button and it'll connect to my guest. There you go, see? But all the previous episodes, they're all on there. And also, if you want to listen to me whilst you're on the move, then you can do by heading over to the Spill website and you'll be able to see the main three links to the Spill It podcast where you can listen to me as you go out on your morning run or listen to me as you are working hard in the gym or listen to me as you are driving your car to work or shopping i don't know what's up with me today i'm in a bit of a hyperactive mood but there you go you can do all of that by heading over to the spiller website and make sure that you check it out okay moving on it is announcement time so so announcement time is a section where i get to speak about anything and everything that's happening in the world or in my life or whatever and one of the things that i wanted to talk about was um a dance exathon. So for those who know me, I run a dance exercise class outside of all of this bubble, all of this world. And uh, it's been going for the last years as a dance exercise class. It was a dance class before that. And it's been going brilliantly. Anyway, so you might remember, for those who have kept up with the journey since the very, very start, I interviewed a, a lady called Kathy Thompson-Evans, who runs the Kids for Kids group. It's actually where I volunteer as well on a Sunday. But 
we are raising money for Kids for Kids at the moment. And what I thought I'd do is I'd kind of mix the two worlds together. And what I ended up doing was creating what I called the Dance Exathon, which is basically just a danceathon, but I wanted to put the whole dance aim in there as well. So it was called the Dance Exathon. Well, we raised £555 at the Dance Exathon, which is absolutely epic. Here's a little photo of uh, of us over the hours. So we did it for five hours. So hour one, we had loads and loads of people. Hour two, there was a few less people. Hour three, there was a few more or less people <laughs> our four we built it back up again and we got a couple more extra people joining in our five we got a few more people joining back in and then we completed that after our five so it was five hours of dance x goodness it was so so good and as i say it was um it was epic it was tiring it was epic and i just want to say a massive congratulations to absolutely every single one of the people who participated and also who donated as well it was so so good and we are so so grateful as well like here at kids for kids but obviously at me with dance x as well i'm so proud of absolutely everybody who joined in who participated who donated as well it's beyond beyond what i even expected i put on like on the Just Giving site, I put on like £500 because I thought, well, that was like the, the default. And I was like, well, I don't really know what to ask for. So I'll just leave it as £500. Never expected to get £500. But there you go, £555. And it's still climbing as well. We are, we are still getting donations through. So as of today, it was £555. Maybe next week it'll be more. Who will know? Me, I will know because I'll get notified. <laughs> there are so many things happening here at Spillet HQ as well. Next month, we've got our lgbt plus month uh so i'm gonna i've got loads and loads of guests lined up which we're going to go through at the end of today's episode so make sure that you stay tuned at the end after lucas finishes his story because then you'll be able to find out all of the guests and there is one one epic guest next month i can't oh it's so cool <laughs> but yeah you'll have to stay tuned if you want to know who my special guest is for next month but also in october we've got our halloween episode as well our ghost hunting episode with spillet investigation and also you will we will have our midnight society launching where people will be reading out their horror stories live on air at midnight for spill it after dark the midnight society all coming up in the next few months and then of course of course after october we're then into the christmasy season aren't we that's that's mad we're going into the christmasy season so if you are a christmasy person just like we did last year um, if you are a Christmassy person, make sure that you get in touch because I will have you on my show. I will probably have some returning guests as well because last year's episodes over Christmas were brilliant. But if you are wanting to come onto the show and talk about your Christmassy goodness or whatever, then let me know. You can come on the show at Christmas. Right. I have talked your ear off for 10 minutes. It is that time. Lucas has been waiting very, very patiently and listening to me ramble for the last 10 minutes. It is time for him to... Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. Um, so here he is. It is the man of the hour. It is Mr. Lucas Chapman. Hello, Lucas Chapman. Hi. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good, good, good. Nice to hear. And nice to see you as well. Uh, we, <laughs> connect, we connected uh, several months ago, and then I 
didn't get in touch with you for absolutely eight. <laughs> and then I was like, ah, let's get in touch with Lucas and find out what he's up to and see if we can get him on the show. And here you are today. Yeah. Yeah, very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get into all of your story, because it's going to be, it's, it's, a, it's a very good story, isn't it? You've got, and it is something that needs to be talked about as well, uh, which is obviously care after care. Now, before we get into all of that, are you ready to play a little game? No, because I don't know what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> well, the waiting is over, Lucas. You will soon find out what that game is all about. Here is the five-second rule. That's right. It is the five-second rule. This is a game that I play with all of my guests. This is just an, it's an icebreaker. It's just a game where we can have a bit of a laugh, a little bit of a joke. Put a smile on people's faces um, and just make you feel a little bit at ease because, you know, we're, we're live across the air, across the airway. So all you've got to do is as simple as this. I will ask you to name three somethings and you've got five seconds to name those three something. It is as easy as that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. Well, let's start off easy then for you. Name three words that start with the letter Z. Zoo, zebra. Oh, God. <laughs> well, then you got two out of three. Uh, I was trying to think of the third one. So you've got zoo, zebra, um, and I don't know. I don't know if I ever wanted. Guys, in, uh, guys who are watching, if you've got a third word that begins with the letter Z or Z, then please put it in the comments and let us know because I'm struggling to think of one, actually. Oh, you could have probably gone like zoologist or something like that. Um, yeah. Oh, there you go. Matt's comment is saying zoom. Yeah, there you go. Well done, Matt. Matt scored the extra point. <laughs> okay, here is your second question. Name three things you do when no one is looking. Dance, cry. <laughs> I don't know. I keep getting two. <laughs> That's another two for you. Dance and cry. Ho like hopefully not at the same time. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> <That> is... <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it, love it, love it. Okay, name three planets that that start with the letter S. Sun, Saturn. Oh, I should know this. <laughs> I'm not. I'm going to score you one. You can't say the sun. The sun is not a planet. Oh, yeah, it's a star. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't know that. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh. God, yeah, Matt has also commented, Sun is a star. <laughs> as soon as you said that is the first one, I was like, this isn't going to go well. <laughs> okay, we'll put it out into the into the ether of the world. If you guys can think of three planets beginning with the letter S, then please put them in the comments and let us know. Okay, it was just a little bit of fun. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Good, 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 good. That's what I like to hear. Right, are you ready to get into because i'm wanting to get into so i want to know who is lucas chapman yep so that's that's my name um i'm 20 i live in lancaster currently with my dog who you might hear behind me sometimes <laughs> making loads of noise i've got two cats and i'm a single dad to an almost five month old little boy called dylan Aww. um he's currently quiet um i work as a healthcare assistant when i'm not looking after him um, in an A&E department, so that's busy. 
<laughs> I play rugby for an inclusive rugby team who are in Preston called the Typhoons. They're um, amazing. I also do I do dog agility with my dog down there. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything else. That's bad. Busy bee, though. Busy bee. Yeah. Seems to have a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, but obviously, who was Chapman? So I didn't actually grow up in Lancaster for a start. I grew up all the way down south in Norfolk. Um, I was born in Norfolk. Um, most of my family are actually from Lancaster. So my brother was born in Lancaster Hospital. It's not that I've like randomly thrown a dart in the UK and moved somewhere. Um, but I grew up in Norfolk. Um, I grew up in a bit of a chaotic life, to say the least. I know there's no such thing as normal, but it wasn't that, <laughs> that normal. Um, my lived with my mum and I have an older brother who's four years older than me called Callum. Um, we're really close. Um, my mum has quite complex physical health, mental health and quite a lot of needs, which um, either meant I was caring for her or I spent a lot of time living with family such as my grandma. Me and my grandma have a really close bond. She's still down in Norfolk. Family, family, friends or I spent some time in foster placements, quite a few. I was in and out of foster care quite a lot. So like I use my house as an example and I'll be talking about my house later on. I've been in this house, I want to say 18 months now. That's the longest I've ever been in one address and I'm 21 this year. Wow. Um, so yeah, that was me growing up. I moved to school a lot. Um, I have quite a lot of health problems. So I'm autistic, partially deaf. I have a genetic condition that my mum's got called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and I've got a weakened immune system. So I was sort of battling all that. <laughs> Um, moved school a lot, um, but still did quite a lot of good stuff. So I came out with 10 GCSEs at A star to B. Um, started to do advocacy work when I was about 16. So, but yeah, it was a bit chaotic growing up, to say the least. You said that you had the same condition as your mum. What was it called again? Uh, it's, it's a rare genetic condition called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And it's what is that? It's a genetic condition that affects how my body, body produces collagen, um, and anyone who, who knows stuff about the body, collagen's in pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. um, so it's why I'm losing my hearing. It's why my sight's bad. Um, I dislocate easily. I break easily. My muscles are weaker. And it, it has some weird symptoms like um, local anesthetics do not affect me at all. Like they wow. don't work. Um, which so if you were to go to the dentist, then you would feel like... So that was one of, that's one of the diagnostic things. Um, but we didn't know I had the condition until I was 11. Wow. <laughs> and I had problems with my teeth. Um, but they always just thought I was being a diva. <laughs> but I really wasn't. <laughs> like, I love oh, that. The fact that you're, you're in so much pain and they were just like, oh, he's just being a diva. Just ignore yeah. him. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's I should also, laugh. Like, makes you look really young and but also makes you go grey early. It's a really weird condition, um, but right. it's degenerative, so it normally gets worse over time. But um, yeah, so I cope with that, along with the weakened immune system. That's fun mixing two together and how has that affected you so obviously with everything that you've got like the, the different diagnosis that you've got how has that affected your daily life and obviously because you, you you're raising your son as well aren't you yeah i'd say with weight raising dylan my autism is probably the hardest thing because i'm not I don't like noise that much and like however much i can just take my hearing aids out and pretend he's not crying it <laughs> doesn't work that way no um <laughs> no um, but I'm falling into a new routine with him, which is working a lot better now. 
Um, so that's probably the thing that affects me the most, actually looking after him. But I do sometimes get pain or if I've, I've been in hospital quite a bit recently, for example, and that's always difficult because I don't want to be away from him and I worry about him. Um, but I've got to get my health sorted. Um, there always seems to be something going on, which is really difficult. It's like we, I get over one thing. So I had quite a battle with my mental health after he when he was about I want to say two or three months old I got over that and I was like I'm feeling amazing I've never felt better and then I've been in hospital with my physical health so it's like it can be quite difficult like juggling everything and yes. it, it's really sad actually it gets me down sometimes it's like there's always something like what I actually lost a finger <laughs> in this um, last hospital admission and it's like yeah <laughs> um and it's yeah been quite a lot wow um okay I didn't like lose it and like I, f I know where it is. <laughs> That's probably the wrong, the wrong phrase. Um, it got amputated. That's probably right. <laughs> okay. Uh, that that's like a lot that you, yeah yeah that's a lot. Um, I mean, I I moan at the like a really minor inconvenience in my life. Like I don't know, I'll trip up or something, and I'm like I'm going on about it for years on end. Um, but you you you're going through like a lot aren't you but yeah you... but it's just i think it's just about trying to make i've learned a lot more recently to just try and make the best of it and just like try and move on and make the best of it i was gonna say you, you, can do. You, you, you you come across very cheery and and just kind of quite <laughs> i don't know and um, considering obviously you are going through quite a lot at the moment as well especially like today you're going through a lot you are you you, you do seem very very chipper Let's yeah, I, I mean, I, I use I do use humor and things as a coping strategy. I'm not always good at actually showing my emotions. Well, I either like don't show them at all, and I'm like this, or I'm like being a diva, <laughs> like really showing my emotions. I haven't really gotten in the middle, mm -hmm. but most of the time, yeah, I, I say things quite flippantly. So sometimes I'll just say things, and people will stare at me, and I'm I forget how casually I say some things, and that's around my health, around my home circumstances, everything. And I, I've had people look at me, and I'm, I go, yeah, I completely forget how just casually things come out of my mouth sometimes. I think um, we do, though. Don't, I think we yeah. we all do. Like when we when we are going through something or when we have been through something because it's our story and it's something that's just happened to us. It becomes kind of like, I don't know, it, it like, like it's such a blah moment that you just like, well, yeah, whatever. And you just kind of say it as it is. And then you don't realize until people actually are looking at you like, Oh, right. Actually. Yeah. Okay. Let, let me rewind and let me go through it a little bit more yeah. for you then. Um, so yeah, I completely get that. Let's talk about you growing up then. So obviously you was talking about um, care. Wasn't yeah. You? What was that like growing up? Tough. That's normally the first word I say. It was difficult. And like, I'll head it off saying I have had some incredible foster carers. I've had some incredible social workers. I've had some incredible people from schools, hospitals, police stand up for me, like loads. But it was difficult. I yeah, moved around a lot. And it was always that thing of like, not quite know knowing what's coming next, knowing whether I'd be moving, whether like one meeting could change the what felt like the whole course of my future. So it was always sort of looking over my shoulder or what's next gonna knock me down. And like I, I did go through some pretty difficult experiences um, that I'm still processing a number of them. Um, and it was always difficult experience now you've got to talk about it or now you've got to now we've got to go to a, a court or now we've got to now you've got to write it all in a report or and it always just felt like I was having to go over stuff and I couldn't just I felt a lot of the time I just couldn't be a kid I, I don't I, that 
that's the basis of it. Like tried my best. And as I said, I had good foster carers. I'm when I was with my grandma, sometimes that was great, but yes, it wasn't easy. It was very unpredictable life. Um, like I had its good moments and I've obviously it wasn't all bad. Um, but it, that overshadows it is is the stuff that had happened um and I felt like I started to be defined by what had happened like in every every school I was like the care kid or the one with the sick mum or like I even got bullied for that in one of my schools that I had a mum who had disabilities and was unwell so the things kids pick on it's yeah. unbelievable um I was quite badly bullied actually um but in like my last school who were great I was still there was only three of us who were in foster care so out of 1800 kids so it was an unusual thing and it was a thing people didn't understand and there's always that thing of people are scared or don't when they don't understand things that's when they can be mean about it that's when they can so as well as battling having an unusual home circumstance I was battling people's lack of understanding and just yeah that which was just as difficult as what I was going through um yeah Bullying, I mean, I've talked about it many times on this show. Uh, bullying, that's where bullying comes from, essentially, or a vast majority of bullying comes from a place of unknowing. It comes from a place of they're, they're not able to understand something different. They're not able to kind of process that. And so, therefore, they, they pick it out. It's it's kind of like pack mentality. Um, so Because we're all animals at the end of the day. That's that's what we are. And, and no matter how you look at it we are all animals and we are we have this pack mentality that when something or, or one of the, the the pack if you will a member of the pack is is different we push them out and um, so that's where a lot of the bullying comes from i'm just wondering how how did you cope with the bullying what, what uh, and obviously with with the with the things that you were going through as well but also with the bullying on top of that and what support was there for you as I said, like I moved school quite a bit, so it really varied by school. So, like, I did actually go for a few years to a private school, um, mainly because I was a music scholar as well. And they liked, and um, I started off boarding because social services and people thought instead of putting them in a foster placement, you know, that's stable, <laughs> let's put them in a boarding school, forgetting that we had these like magical things called school holidays. <laughs> um, but because I was a kid that wasn't very, very rich, wasn't well that basically they they picked up on that I, I mean I was in year seven when I went to this school and they picked up on that really quickly so I was bullied for that but I think I'm not saying because it was a private school because I'm, I'm sure there's great ones the teachers weren't used to bullying or people in my home circumstance like their safeguarding was appalling <laughs> um like um so they didn't really know how to do it so like in year seven when I was at home with my mum I think I got I want to say like 55 hours of detention because I hadn't done my homework, despite me going, oh, um, we've had the emergency services rang four times this week whilst I've been at home. And they're like, should have taken your homework with you. <laughs> like, remember that next time. Um, <laughs> and that was the teacher's attitude. So when I was going to them going, look, these these kids are being really horrible. They've picked up that I'm not as rich as them. Um, and it's not like I was poor by any, any stretch of the word, but some of them were like, parents were like billionaires. Um, um, they picked up that I had a disabled mum I was overweight, I was part of the LGBT community, it was just everything you know, I had problems with my vision and problems with my hearing, like there was a lot for kids to pick on um, but I'd go to teachers and they'd just be like, what do you want us to do about it? Mm. Um, the only time that they were going to do something was when um, a, a student locked me in a locker when I was in year 8 
Um, so um, they were going to, I, think, I don't know what they were going to do. I think they were going to temporarily exclude him. Um, but his uh, dad just gave loads of money to the school. And then they didn't do anything. That's ridiculous. Um, so wasn't dealt with very well then. Um, I went to a different high school in year 10, just like my local comprehensive. It was quite big, not very well rated by Ofsted. It was the best school I'd ever gone to. And they had a really good safeguarding department. They had um, actual teachers that were looked after children, or which is another word for children in care. Teachers who had really good disability and all of that. Um, and I started to be bullied. They picked up on that really quickly. They spoke to them and said in a really kind of like, not just telling them off, but going, why are you picking on somebody who's got this? And they really listened. But also um, I did some assemblies during Young Carers Awareness Week about some of the stuff I did for my mum. So I was like, look, I've rang an ambulance when I was three that for the first time. I um, Other emergency services when I was like seven, I've put dislocated joints back in. I've done CPR. I've dealt with overdoses. I've dealt with all of that. And they listened to all of that and after that I didn't get bullied as much because I think they just understood the situation yeah. I not even you always know when something's happening behind your back and I could tell they weren't even doing anything behind my back so year 10 and 11 were actually slightly easier years um but it just it was worlds away how different schools dealt with it yeah I get that um my school was was rubbish at dealing with the bullying um like so, I, yeah. I mean, I've I've talked about my story before, so I'm not going to go into details or any or anything. But I mean, the school that I went to, um, so I was being bullied, and the teacher took me out of class because I was disrupting the class because I was being bullied, which was just mad. Like, yeah. and I look back on it, and I'm like, what? That is what, what? happened there? Yeah. yeah. Like, obviously, at the time, I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And then I like, I'll leave the classroom and whatever, and then go into like this this separate room. With like it was like a little tiny box room. I remember it like clear as day. It was like a little tiny box room, and I had to do all of my work. And I wasn't allowed in the classrooms because um, of the disruption, because there was that much bullying happening that they didn't want me in the classroom because it was easier to deal with like them if I wasn't in the room. So every day I'd have to go to like different classrooms and collect pieces of work and sit down and, and do them on my own. So I never had that one-to-one -one time with teachers or anything. So it, it's crazy. And you're right, like obviously like different schools handle things like handle things differently. And I'm very, very glad that you found a school in the end that actually managed it brilliantly for you. Um so obviously growing up you is in, uh, in and out of care. You had the support network from like later on in schools and um, you would have had the support network outside of school, I'm assuming. So I had um, some family that were good. Um, I had social services, um, which were hit and miss. Um, I had a lot of social work changes. Um, I still do now because I still have a social worker now. Um, I think he's like my 20th. I want to say 20th. Um, um, so and then it, it really depended where I was. So sometimes I had this the school, sometimes I had other services, like if I or my mum was in and out of hospital a lot or the emergency services, if they were being called quite frequently. But I didn't really have a solid outside support network growing up apart from, and some family friends, actually, that's, that's a lie. There was a few family and friends who were around for quite a few years who I'm still really indebted to. Like they did so much for me growing up. Um, but it changed a lot because it depended where I was living, what school I was going to, what was happening. So it, that did change quite a bit, actually. Well, I was going to say, because you also mentioned the fact that you 
never stuck in one place for long. You were constantly yeah. moving around. So was you just moving around the area or was it moving out in and out of the area? So I moved around Norfolk. Norfolk's quite a big right. county, though. So if you, I think to go from one end to the other is a couple of hours drive. I did go to Suffolk, I think, twice. And um, sometimes in and out, like I was going back to places like I went. Sometimes I'd go like I went from my grandma's to my mum's to my grandma's to my mum's to a family for it. And like sort of like that. So some of the placements were the same. Um, so, yeah, I moved around the county mainly, um, mainly in the middle of the county, which I'll which is better but yeah a bit here there and everywhere and i think once or twice i was moved to suffolk which is next to norfolk so any of like relationships not not like relationship relationship but like any relationships that you were building with people like friends and and whatever that you would have lost touch with those people then as you were moving around yeah and that taught that that taught me quite a weird thing with oh, I say weird thing with friends like it sort of taught me that you're only ever friends with people if you see them a lot or, or you talk to them but the second you don't see anyone for a long time then you can't keep a friendship because that's what happened um is I didn't really keep friendships like I don't um, and I, I haven't really kept any of my friendships from school I don't I actually no I don't think I've spoken to any of them um so I'm only just starting to change that perspective perception now um so yeah that that I never really built them up which is disappointing really yeah Definitely. With regards to care, so obviously we were talking about um, prior to this episode, one of the things that we talked about was care, but after care and what support there is for people like yourself or, or younger people who are going uh, going in and out of care and growing up. And what kind of support did you get or what support is there available after you've left home, left, left school, got, got to a certain point in your age where obviously you don't have that support network, if you will, of school and all of that lot. So I know it really varies by county. That's some of the things I um I, I do know from um speaking and working with the people I do. But my personal experience, and I know it's similar to a lot of people, um, mine is a little bit weir- weirder that when I was... So 16 and 17 is a bit of a weird grey area age. Like you're still legally a child, but they don't. <laughs> they don't really try <laughs> as much um but I was, I think I was at home I was in foster placement at 16 then went home for a little bit and then ended up in hospital because I um, struggled a lot with my mental health of, I started at about 12 came to notice for services about 14 um and I ended up getting a section to a mental health unit when I was 17 um well that happened for the first time when I was 14 but um when I was 17 um in March I think it was March no February um, and that actually took me past my 18th birthday. So I turned 18 in a psychiatric unit, um, which, yeah, not great. Um, they tried their best, though, the staff. The staff were really good, um, which was interesting because normally when you're 18, what they normally try and do when you're sort of, well, when I was when I was in kid was sort of when you're 17 has come up with, they call it a permanence plan um, to sort of see what your future is. So either help you get a house or if you've got good foster carers and you're with them you can actually stay with them if the foster carers say that's okay Um, the newer thing that has only actually come in in the last few years it used to be the second you hit 18 by no matter if you were still halfway through your a levels or didn't have a place to live it would just be like off you go Um, but because i was in hospital that didn't really happen and they passed me over to the leaving care team um, I was moved to an adult hospital the day after I turned 18. So went back to Norfolk because I was in hospital in Essex. Went back to Norfolk, um, spent nine, ten weeks in an adult hospital. And then they were like, he's he's ready to be discharged. You know, a lot, I'd done a lot of work over those few months, a lot of work. 
Um, and Norfolk just came back and just went, well, he's past 18, so what do you want us to do about it? Um, they were like, the only thing you could do is get discharged and just be homeless and just hope we do something. Um, yeah, and I was 18. I was 18 in like a September. So in terms of an academic year, I was quite a young 18. Um, so I made the decision to move to Lancaster. So I was discharged and my grandparents turned up at the hospital with a suitcase and my dog. And I got on a train and came all the way up to Lancaster and had my first legal drink on a virgin train. <laughs> well, there you <laughs> and, go. Yeah. Uh, everything for a reason, you know, you had your first legal drink on a train. Exactly. Um, um, but that is... I, that, that is disgusting the, yeah. like the way that i can't i genuinely can't believe as well that the advice that somebody gave to you was just become homeless and then we'll be yeah. able to help you out from a few people as well it wasn't even just like one person's not very good advice a few people said look you know, what do you want us to do because you're an adult now yeah but it's like yeah but i'm an adult with not a huge amount of support or any money <laughs> um so yeah and then i just moved up to lancaster <laughs> And there's people as well out there that I mean, obviously you've you've got a range of different conditions, yeah. And obviously you're going to need support with those conditions, yeah. Now there'll also be people who don't necessarily have the same conditions as yours, or maybe just one or two or whatever, but they are still going through this same thing. They're still going through the fact that they are unable to get support predominantly is when when they are either 16 17 turning 18 years old or 18 and beyond they're not able to get that support and you said right at the beginning obviously you you're doing a lot of advocacy work aren't you at the moment and yeah. um, i'm just wanting to know if you can talk about that then because obviously it all links together doesn't it? yeah so i i work for two i'm lucky to work with um two charities now um so i work with i'm lancashire's ambassador for young minds um which is an amazing role that is around mental health i do do stuff around care but not as much i um i did do a, a small project about early intervention into um young people's uh mental health um who are in care so like if a child has gone into foster care whether that's for a night a month a year whatever they should have an automatic and quick referral to a mental health service so i did do a small project on that but the other um charity i work for is i am a, a national voice ambassador for quorum voice um which quorum voice is um a charity for who run advocacy services but like um official advocates so like the ones that will go into like meetings because Trust me, meetings when you're a looks after child are heavy. Um, but they also have a board of young people aged four, I think we're 14 to 25. So some are in care, most have left care. Um, and we help. Um, the main thing we do is launch a campaign, which we've just done. But we also work on little little things like um, advising looked after children's boards, advising schools, advising policy teams and things like that. Um, so I work with those two and do little bits of work through them really well uh, so tell me about the campaign then what is this campaign that you so the one that we've launched this year is called home is not a placement which is based around around placements is that that is the language that is used in foster care which is this is your placement and not your home like it's basically like you come into foster care and you can't have a home and it's about um it's the campaign differentiates slightly depending on what age you're talking about so with little kids it's making sure that they're allowed little things that can make a foster placement in their home like teddy bears duvet covers little things like that but the old ones in leaving care it's about making sure that when we've left care 
that we have somewhere safe, that we don't end up on the streets, that we don't end up in all, all of that and that um, local authorities and councils and all of that are aware of people leaving care and being able to get them ho- homes or at least um, at least oh, I'm trying to think what they're called because I was in one so like when I moved up into Lancaster I got I did become homeless a few months after um, I went into a youth homeless hostel for a bit it was hell on earth and then I moved to like a it was really hell, hell on earth and then I moved into like a placement but it wasn't called a placement and it's completely meant like escaped my mind what it was called but it was for leaving care and it was um for 16 25 year olds there was seven of us and it was all about teaching us independence teaching us the skills oh, we wow. need and then making sure that we safely go on to something so they helped me get the house I'm living in and then made sure that I had white goods and sofas and carpets and stuff like that so but like that's Lancashire there's one project like that in Lancaster and I think there's one at the bottom of Lancashire which is a similar site so about 14 of those spaces across the whole county um but that's what this campaign's about is to make sure there's more of that to make sure there's more advice around it and and things like that and it's about like we're calling on the government and councils to think about the language they use what what and giving us that sort of home but we're also asking people who aren't involved in foster care like just everyday people to so people who might be watching the show my friends anything like that to just write what home means to you um not in terms of we, we've made sure to try and make sure that people don't use words like family because obviously that's a bit of a touchy subject um but things like um people have written like pictures um books nice foods things like that so sort of like that about that really Leela's uh, asked, is it supported housing? Yes, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> that completely escaped my mind and I don't know why, but it's specifically supported housing for people who have left care because it is a very different scenario to people because I know there's supported housing for people with disabilities, but obviously leaving care when you've not got support and all of that. And, you know, most people who have gone through care have had a really traumatic upbringing really like really traumatic and to then move on your own when you're 18 or 16 is tough so it's like specifically around that what advice would you give to someone who is maybe going through something like this that you had previously gone through at 16 17 18 years old and worried about the, the the lack of support that might be out there or maybe that they're just unaware of the support that's out there what advice would you give to that individual it's to go to charities like core and voice where they have the advocacy services and they've got those people that are trained to actually sit and have a conversation with you and go these are your rights because you're leaving care these are your rights because of your age this is what they should be doing this is what they can do because like the the advocates of core and voice are, are really clued up on that sort of stuff because the fact is with social workers with 40 50 caseloads on their books don't have the time to sit down with you and go this is what happens when you when you get older but there are organizations out there and people who do have that information and that it it does appear really scary because looks after children leave and care make up i think it's one between half a percent and one percent of the population which isn't a lot but there is other, there is other people out there who have gone through similar it's not a it's not a lonely position and then we're not just the statistics people throw at us that will end up in prison and homeless and addicts like the, the things that get thrown at us which can happen but that because I was a looked after child people were like that will be you you will end up going to prison going like i've been told all of that and that that's not true and you can have a really promising future definitely so 
your advice, obviously, is just to uh, get in touch with these charities yeah. that are out there, um, like obviously the one that you are an advocate for at the moment, um, because they do know what they're talking about and they yeah. can help you out as well. Yeah. What can the what can we do as a populace as um citizens of lancashire area or whatever uh how can we help support people um i think it goes back uh, some of it goes back to what i just said about the statistics is not listening to that if you come across somebody who like in friendship circles you sometimes ask about how you grew up or something like that if you then have somebody turn around and go oh well i grew up in foster care actually it's not to then turn around and instantly become like terrified of them or think oh god um because that does happen um and not to listen to the statistics and not listen to all of that but do think that sometimes it might need a bit of extra support um is sometimes to look at charities like not just Coram Voice, but for people like Bernardo's and things like that who have information and just clue yourself up on what what it could be like. But also knowing that if you ever come across a looks after child, because there's many jobs that do that don't think they they will, that there are some extra things you need to consider. And when we do have these campaigns like this, is to try and take part in them, to try and share the content that we've created and all of that. Because the more people it reaches, the better, really. Because and. We, I think we have things that you can share it with your local MP and, you know, the more that happens, the better. But it really is just to be supportive and but also be thinking about that it might be a bit hard for that person to make friends. It might be a bit hard for that person in social situations because I know it is for me and that's not just due to my autism. I know it's not. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> with regard, I mean, you, you've said it a couple of times, obviously, to, to ignore the statistics. And I, yeah. and I know that, like, you'll look at, you'll look at stats that you, you think 1%, for example, is not a lot. And, it, no. you know, realistically, when we, you know, because we all went to school, we all know that 1% is not a lot out of 100. However, when you think about it as a populace, so if you think about it, you've got nearly 700 million people who live in the 1% of that is nearly 700,000 people. Yeah. So that's nearly seven hundred thousand people in the UK right now are in that in that position. Yeah. So don't look at it as, and you're right. Obviously, don't look at the statistics as in the one percent. But let's look at that and convert that into a number. And that's seven hundred thousand in the UK right now are in need of support. Yeah. So, yeah, like it is a small amount, but there is still like. It's I've still 700,000 people. Yeah, to me, lot. that's not a small amount of people. That's a huge amount of people. And it's because, obviously, when, when we look at, like, 1% of the of the UK population, we don't realise how many people actually live in the... Yeah. And we're actually, that 1% is actually a huge amount of people. 700,000 people. That's that's a lot of people in my eyes. And they these are people who are needing support. And you're right. There's always stuff that we can do, whether that be... Um, you know volunteering or educating ourselves or whatever there is always something you can do and you're completely right that we can do more obviously as you know citizens or uh, from the outside looking in and also there are ways and means that people who are in these situations can educate themselves on the the wider picture and not just rely on their local council and um, there are ch many charities out there so it is always beneficial to to educate and that's we do need to educate about that it's no, a, a fact. We we really need to educate about things like this because it it needs to be talked about. You're right. Um. Well, uh, how how have you found today's episode? Yeah. No. Good. Good. Thank you for being like really open and honest and vulnerable as well. And you know, I, I have many guests on that talk about a range of different subjects. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been 
deep in deeping we've been delving deep into like some really core subjects and it's something that we really need to talk about and bring up so i was i was 100% needed this onto on the show and 100% need to talk about this so thank you for coming on the show and being really open and, and being be really really vulnerable as well uh, and just being completely honest with us and um, you know it, it does take a lot to talk about things that you've gone through What's next for Lucas? What's What does the future look like? Um, I should be going back to work at some point. I was meant to have already gone back to work, but then I ended up in hospital. Um, that's that's um, carrying in terms of the work I do, we're carrying on with the campaign. We're seeing how that goes. Coming out of COVID, we're seeing if we can obviously do things face to face because all our campaign work, all our advocacy work for both the charities I work for has all been online. Um, um, I think I, I think I'm going to Houses of Parliament in a couple of months um, oh, wow. to talk about um, a youth mental health thing. Um, yeah, and then yeah, hoping my son sleeps more. <laughs> so a busy future for you, Lucas, and yeah. hopefully a quiet future for uh, little Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> where can people get in touch with you if they wanted to find out more information, or where can people? Uh, go and get educated and find more information about the subjects that we've talked about today. Uh, yes, yeah, so my main one that I use for sort of work, I say work, like my charity and advocacy stuff is Twitter, which I think is just under my name. I should know that, but I'm pretty sure it's just under Lucas Chapman, as is my Facebook. I often do post things on there as well. Um, in terms of finding other people that I've, I've talked about, um, as I said, there's a, um, the charity that I work for, which is specifically targeted at... Um, children and young people in in out and leaving care is quorum voice quorum's quite a big charity that works in quite a few things i think they work with adoption families some history thing but particularly quorum voice is the one that works with um children and young people in care and um, they're the main one and they're the ones that we're running our campaign for um we've just launched our instagram which is under quorum voice and we really want to try and get some more followers on that um so that's the main one but also yeah, as i said there is other charities that can help be educated around kids in foster care and um coming out of care like bernardo's and ones like that too but core and voice is the main one for me obviously what we'll do as well is we'll post the links to all of those especially the instagram one if you're wanting us to try and yeah, uh, get some right. people following on there i'll post them all into the show notes guys if you are listening to this on podcast please make sure that you check the description of the podcast and you'll be able to see uh, an introduction to Lucas, and also you'll be able to find links to Corum Voice and, of course, Lucas Chapman as well and his Twitter. Um, thank you. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like the opportunity to discuss now? Not that I think. I think I've touched on most of the things. I think, obviously, the campaign, a brief overview, as it as it were, um, things to think about, the statistics. I think I've briefly talked about that. So I can't really think of much more. I think it's just... Um, yeah, it's just that really. I can't can't think of anything else. That's fine. But have you got some final thoughts for us? Ooh, let me have a think. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to me for like forty minutes <laughs> for a start. Um, it's just that is is if you come across a young person who has left care, particularly if they're around my age and they are just coming out of the system or what in American and I think the terms coming over here a bit is called aging out of the system. So. Um, is that they might need a bit of extra support and they might just need that little person to listen to and that 
you know, not the assumption that none of us speak to our families. Like I've got a really close relationship with my mum at the moment, but also that some of us don't. So I still have a tough relationship with my family. And that's why I found that my friends are so important to me. And I'm so thankful to have had such amazing friends, mainly through the rugby team I mentioned earlier, who have supported me so much through some pretty difficult things. Because when I first moved to Lancaster, my mum was still pretty unwell and I dealt with some tough things. And I think as if you're going, if you're if you've got a friend or friend of a friend or whatever who's going through something similar as if possible not to be scared off by it and just because it, it can be scary to support someone through something like what I went through um but that support means everything I think that's my main main one <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that as this is a really good message thank you now at the end of every episode I give my guests the opportunity to give a quote and it can be something that they stand by live by it could be something that they've heard they just really like or it could be something that they've made up and they just think you know what that's how I'm going to live my life now and I'm just wondering if you've got a quote for us today and why that quote is important yes I do it comes from a really weird place it comes from one of my favorite tv shows Brooklyn Nine-Nine which is an American tv show I love love this show it's (laughs) one I normally put on at night just to play in the background but I heard it on an episode once and the moment I heard it I was like wow that really speaks to me and the reason it speaks to me is basically the reasons I just just mentioned is that you know we all go through difficult patches in our life that that's that's life but with the people you have I've got to see if I can remember it all now because it's quite a long quote (laughs) um life is unpredictable not everything is in our control but as long as we we are with the right people we can handle anything I love that. That's such an epic quote as well. Yeah. Uh, one one more time as well. Why is that quote important? And why should people uh, be listening to that quote today? Yeah, it's definitely because everybody can go through difficult, difficult times, but surrounding yourself with the right people. And I think the reason that quote spoke to me is, again, the reasons I just said is that's not necessarily always your family. It can be your family, but it can be the family that you found and the family that you have accumulated over time. And the ones that have stuck by you possibly more than the family that you were born into um and that having those sort of people around you can just mean the world and you can go through something that seems like the end of the world because I did I've gone through many many things where I'm like this is it this this is it but I've had friends that have stuck by me and that's that's meant everything and I've managed to handle things that I never thought I could and yeah that pretty much yeah that's brilliant thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure having you on deborah cade is a uh, joy saying great quotes uh, and she celebrates a little bit obviously because it's from brooklyn 99 um so yeah thank you so much lucas for coming on the show and being so open and honest with us as well it's been amazing having you on uh, Leela's dropped a comment as well. Good luck with all your work and sleep. <laughs> Hopefully you'll get some sleep, Lucas, because yeah. you, you deserve it, definitely. Um, you are now free to say goodbyes. I am going to say goodbye. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I have really enjoyed it, actually. Yeah, it's been really good. Thank you. Well, Thank we'll you look so forward much. to seeing more of your journey in the future. And um, be sure to keep in touch. Yeah, I will do. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow, what a great guy Lucas was and what a great episode this was as well. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me. It's been a really good, it's been an emotional rollercoaster over these past couple of weeks. Uh, Last week we were talking about autism and this week we talked about care. It was a good episode, very good episode. I'm going to 
start crying soon. <laughs> just, I'm just emotional. It's been two very deep episodes, but they have been definitely episodes that we have needed to talk about. That, my friends, was August. Oh my God, we're through August already. August is now at the end. We are now going into September. And what does September give us? September gives us a whole bunch of new guests on the Spill It show. The Spill It weekly show. The Spill It weekly chat show. Ooh. So, as I said a couple of weeks ago, Spill It is launching their very own LGBTQIA plus month and that starts next week into september oh i can't wait to show all of my guests what a great lineup we have we are kicking off september with gideon allen who's going to be joining us talking about relationships and dating and that is going to be coming on next week so make sure that you stay tuned for that episode it's going to be a good one i can't wait to get into it all Following Gideon, we also, we also have Danielle Hopkins, who will be joining us on Wednesday, the 5th of September at 7 p.m. She's going to be talking about all things trans, so make sure that you come and join us for that one. Following Danielle, we will be speaking to the fabulously amazing Beth Meadows, who will be talking about LGBT in Lancashire. So if you are in the Lancashire area, make sure that you, t- you keep watching for that one because we'll be talking about what it's like being LGBT in Lancashire and also what support is out there. Then, then, here we go. I took I took all the photos off because this is a big one for you, okay? <laughs> then, then, we will be speaking to none other. She doesn't even go here. We will be speaking to Daniel Franzesi as he comes on. Oh my God, he's coming on the show to talk about HIV and also we're going to be talking about Mean Girls of course but yeah he's going to be talking about HIV because he has become a huge advocate in the LGBT community for um, obviously fighting HIV and you know reducing the stigma around HIV he will be coming on the show to talk about that she doesn't even go here I can't believe it Ah, if you don't know who Daniel Franzese is he starred as Damien in the hit movie alongside Lindsay Lohan. He was Damien in the film Mean Girls. Oh my God, I'm such a fan. If you can't tell, I am so excited to have him on the show. But he will be on the show talking about HIV. And then closing September and closing the LGBT plus month will be none other than Debs Bradshaw Blythe, as she will be coming on the show on the 29th of September to talk about Pride. She's the organizer of Preston Pride as well, which is uh, unfortunately been cancelled this year. However, she will be coming on the show to talk about Pride, why it's important, why more cities need to be getting involved with Pride, and more. And that is your September lineup. Oh, the episodes will be live every single week, every single Wednesday with me and obviously them. But they will also be available online on the website. So make sure that you go onto the website at www.spillit.uk and you'll be able to also connect with all of the guests in September over on the website. So make sure that you check that out as well. And breathe. Sorry, I can't believe I'm still getting over the fact that Daniel, like the Daniel Frenzacy is coming on the show. My name is Marcus Wright. And when I don't do this, I run a radio show called A Little Bit of Marcus. 
over on the radio station B103 across central Lancashire and South Ribble. You can catch me and all of the work that I do on there by following my Instagram at MarcusB103. To check out everything to do with Spill It and more, head over to the Spill It website, www.spillit.uk. And you can also get in touch with me if you want to come on the show or you just have just some general comp- like general questions for me. You can email me, marcus at spillit.uk. To support me, you can head over to the website and you can buy merch. Like we've got these brand new hoodies, a little bit of merch. They are available. You can also join the official Spill It Patreon where you can donate as little as £2 per month and you can support the work that I do. You can invite people into the Spillet community by inviting them onto the Facebook page or sharing the podcast out. And also you can leave me a review over on Facebook and uh, Apple Podcasts as well. If you are liking what I do and the work that I do, leave me a review. I would absolutely appreciate it. Thank you so much. And that is it from me. Thank you so much, guys, for being just amazing. You're always amazing every single week. You know, I always tell you, thank you for being amazing. (laughs) and until we spill it again it's bye for now